Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Now, to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, enjoy. If you can rate and review, that would be very much appreciated as well. You can also find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren and email the show at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. On today's podcast, we're continuing our look at some what-ifs in Boston Bruins history. Uh, I had the pleasure of uh, connecting with uh, Rachel and Miriam from Locked On Flyers, and we discussed what if the Bruins had defeated the Philadelphia Flyers in the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs. Second round, we all know that Boston uh, infamously allowed the Flyers to come back from a 3-0 series deficit and a 3-0 uh, deficit in Game 7 alone. Uh, so, yeah, what if the Bruins hadn't lost that series? What did it mean for that team? What did it mean for the next year, where we all know they went on to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, so what might have changed? So it was a great to connect with them again, and I hope you enjoy that chat. After that, we'll take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL, including a proposal to... Uh, host the Stanley Cup playoffs in a couple of hub cities with as many as 24 teams participating. But first, please enjoy this chat with Rachel and Danielle about what if the Bruins had beaten the Philadelphia Flyers in the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs. All right. So as we said in our show intro, we are welcoming back to Locked On Flyers our friend Ian McLaren from Locked On Bruins. Welcome, Ian. Thank you very much. It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, we're Even so happy. No hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the Locked On Network has been doing some what if sort of themed episodes. And, you know, we talk a lot as Flyers fans about the you know, famous seven game series comeback that the Flyers had in 2010 that was part of their cup run that year and how great that was. And, you know, given that the Flyers did not win the cup that year, we were thinking, you know, what if they don't win that series? And how does that change things for the Bruins and for the Flyers in those, you know, next couple years following that? So let's just say the Bruins win that game seven. Ian, do you think they win the cup that year? Oh, that's a really tough question because there's a lot of things that were kind of going against them uh, in that series and in that playoff run altogether. Um, in game one of that series, it's one of my favorite moments as a Bruin fit, Bruins fan is when uh, Mark Savard scored the uh, overtime goal in game one and he had a very epic celebration 
and it was well deserved because he had been through, you know, a very uh, tumultuous regular season uh, with uh, having a serious foot injury and then suffering a serious concussion from our mutual enemy, uh, Matt Cook of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so it was kind of, uh, I mean, looking back, what we know now about concussions and all that, it's probably fair to say that he should not have been playing in that series. He did play in all seven games, and he uh, didn't produce that well. He had one goal, two assists in those seven games, um, and clearly was not uh, at playing at a level that he could have uh, were he been healthy. And, you know, that after that playoff run, he was diagnosed with uh, post-concussion syndrome, and he missed most of the next season and wasn't able to play when the Bruins did win the cup in 2011. The other thing was that David Krejci was injured in game three of that series uh, after a uh, slash to the wrist by Mike Richards. So I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Never happened. Yeah, I remember it very vividly (laughs) and clearly. Um, So, you know, without their two of their top three centers, uh, I think it would have been, they might have been able to still beat Montreal because, you know, Montreal is Montreal. They were kind of going on a, uh, you know, wing and a prayer that year with their goaltending. Um, so it's, I think the Bruins could have beaten Montreal, but whether or not they would have beaten Chicago, uh, you know, with Savard clearly not 100%, with Krejci out of the lineup, or even if he came back not 100%, then, uh, you know, I think it would have been difficult. The other thing is, if you remember, I'm sure you do, game four of that series, the Bruins uh, had a chance to sweep the the Flyers needed overtime in order to uh, win game four. So, you know, maybe if the Bruins win in four instead of having it go to seven, then maybe Krejci has a few extra days to rest. Uh, maybe Savard, the same thing. And uh, maybe they're, you know, a bit healthier heading into conference finals against Montreal and then maybe a series against Chicago. But um, I don't know. It's hard to say that they would would have won the cup, uh, but I I think it's likely they, they would have beaten Montreal as kind of the higher seed, having home ice advantage in the same way that the Flyers were able to, to take care of the Canadians. And then, you know, once you get to Chicago, who is a very good team at that point, um, that's a bit more up in the air, but yeah, I think, I think it's very realistic to assume that whoever won at that series would have still gone on to the, to the Stanley cup final that year. Let's talk for a minute here about built bar. If the Bruins had built bars back in 2010, chances are they would have not lost to the Philadelphia Flyers. Why? Because they are built like candy bars but extremely healthy for you they're perfect for not only taking your mind off things for a few minutes but also rejuvenating your energy levels they're covered in 100 chocolate soft and easy to chew a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar they come in 16 amazing flavors eight chocolate nut flavors eight chocolate nut free flavors they're also incredibly healthy for you you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, perfect for 
the locker room and getting your energy levels back up as you look to beat the Philadelphia Flyers, for example. Right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. That's really interesting talking about Savard and Krejci because, you know, I wonder if in some ways that helped Savard that the Flyers won because they were able to diagnose him and he was able to recover properly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like if if he continued playing, um, you know, this was only a couple months, not even a couple months after that that Mac Hook hit and you know, like I said, looking back, um, it's it's probably not right that he was playing at all. Uh, he was cleared for he missed the first um, series against the Sabers that year. Cleared to play uh, for that second round against the Flyers, and then uh, that off season he was diagnosed with post concussion post concussion syndrome, meaning you know that was lingering all through that round and if he had played more then yeah it could have it could have been uh even worse uh even then he was limited to uh not playing very much in in 2010 2011 he missed the the playoff like the whole playoff run uh to the cup um and yeah so it was still very serious obviously but yeah if he had continued playing past that flyer series and maybe it, it would have been uh, much worse in his career possibly could have ended you know right then i am fascinated by what might have happened if the flyers had lost only because i think that it was a surprising cup run first off and secondly their goaltending was duct tape and yeah. <laughs> and a stick from the shed, you know? So it it was just one of those things where it was great and everybody was happy about it, but it just seemed like it was a year too soon. And mm-hmm. if the Flyers were the team kind of seeking revenge in 2011 with, you know, albeit some, some goaltending problems, but they had... Sergei Bobrovsky as a rookie that year. Right. And, you know, ostensibly a little bit more solid goaltending there. And they, you know, had that year of playoff experience under their belt with some extra motivation. You know, they still won the Atlantic division that next season. If they're facing the Bruins as the underdog, does that change things? And I I think it might have. Yeah, it's actually really interesting that you bring up goaltending because in the 2010 playoffs, uh, the Bruins starter was Tuka Rask. He played every game that playoff run and or in that series, at least. And, uh, you know, he had a sub 900 save percentage in that series. And the Bruins made the decision in the following season to uh install him as the backup and to turn to tim thomas as their uh starter and uh he was tim thomas was amazing that regular season he was the mvp during the playoffs when they won the cup like uh historic run that he went on personally his numbers 
And so I wonder too, yeah, if if the Bruins had won in 2010, uh, that could have solidified Tuukka Rask as mm-hmm. you know the guy going forward. And who knows, um, you know, he has led the Bruins to two Stanley Cup finals since 2011 as a starter after Tim Thomas left, but he was still pretty young and raw at that point. And I think it did a lot of good for the Bruins to have Tim Thomas kind of like an older guy. He had been through so much in his career to get to that point, And he really sees that opportunity. And I think that, um, you know, that decision to go to Tim Thomas as a starter in 2010, 2011, uh, you know, paid off massively for the Bruins. So yeah, if, if Tugarask doesn't lose those four games in a row to the Flyers, it's almost surprising looking back that they didn't give uh, Tim Thomas, you know, a start maybe in, in game five or six, maybe in game six, just to kind of, um, yeah, try, try something. The Bruins lost for nothing in game five. So maybe you come back uh, Thomas in game six, but you know, who knows that's, um, we'll kind of, you know, Monday morning, uh, armchair quarterback from a long time ago, but right. uh, yeah, that, decision to go to Tim Thomas the next season was was really big. And also, yeah, the fact that I talked about Unlocked on Bruins a few weeks ago, I rewatched the 2011 uh, Stanley Cup video, and many of the Bruins talked about how the loss to Philadelphia in 2010, they're presented with a challenge in 2011 against the Flyers again in the second round, and uh, they were, you know, hell-bent on, on not allowing history to repeat itself. Uh, they went up 3 nothing again in that series and then were able to uh, finish the sweep off. And I think without that experience in 2010, um, their mindset heading into uh, the playoffs that year and that series in particular would have been uh, far different. You know, you get to the conference finals, you lose to Montreal, um, and, you know, backed by a hot goalie or you lose to Chicago in the finals, you get, uh, you know, really close, but it's not quite the same perhaps as, you know, uh, that reverse sweep, which was very rare at the time it's happened since, but, uh, it hadn't happened in, in quite some time, uh, in the NHL until 2010. And, you know, uh, that really left a bad taste in their mouths and, and really, help them to to keep the gas uh, going against the Flyers in 2011, for sure. Danielle, what do you think about the whole motivational factor or the Flyers kind of being on more of a slow build to a cup run as opposed to a sudden cup run? No, I, I definitely agree with both of your points, especially with the Flyers, how it was a little bit like 2010 was maybe just a step too soon for them to get that far. But, um, you know, they've talked about this series a couple of times and I believe it was the athletic or they went back and had a, or maybe it was NHL.com, but they had all the players go back and talk about this series. And, you know, I, I, it's just, it's so interesting to see how like, you know, losses like this do change the trajectory and how in like, this was such a, that the loss in 2010 was such a big motivator for the Bruins. I never thought about it. I never looked at it in that that lens. But it's clear to see, especially with uh, what Ian said, that this was, 
it was such a pivotal point and such an important point in 2011, the fact that they didn't want that to happen. So it, you know, the what ifs are always so hard for me because, you know, hindsight is 50, 50 and you never really know how it's going to turn out. And we know things now that we didn't know then, but it's just interesting. Um, I do agree that I think that the, whoever would have won that series in 2010 would have made it to the Stanley cup. Um, and I think it just would, if the flyers would have lost, I think a lot of things would have been different. And I don't know if we would have had that success in 2012, um, against the, against the penguins. And I just think that the downslope would have happened a lot earlier. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, uh, another thing, about kind of what happened to the Bruins after that series. The, their leading uh, scorer in that series against the Flyers was actually uh, Dennis Weidman, if if you can believe that. He had, <laughs> I think, like eight points, eight points in that series, all assists, but he still led uh, the Bruins in total points. And um, I believe it was, yeah, I think just before the draft uh, that year, Weidman, uh, the Bruins decided to trade him and a 2010 first round pick to the Florida Panthers. Uh, and they acquired uh, Gregory Campbell and Nathan Horton. And those two guys were uh, incredibly, uh, yeah, I'd say essential to their success in 2011. Uh, Nathan Horton scored, you know, a few uh, very big overtime goals. He scored game seven goal against Tampa Bay in the, conference finals and Gregory Campbell, you know, was a part of uh, one of the best fourth lines in recent memory. Everybody remembers him, you know, breaking his leg, killing a, killing a penalty and, and just how uh, important he was to that team. So, you know, again, if the Bruins don't lose to the Flyers and maybe they don't make that move, maybe they don't send Weidman and a first to Florida. That's, that was pretty heavy price to pay, but they were getting some pretty proven players in return. Uh, so maybe that trade doesn't happen if they go to the, the Stanley Cup final or the even the conference finals. And again, that that move was uh, vital to their success the next season. So that's a, another factor in terms of, you know, if game seven goes differently, if game four goes differently, maybe maybe they don't make that move. And and, you know, they probably wouldn't win the next season without those two players. So that, that's, uh, you know, I know when the Flyers lost to the Bruins the next year, uh, they made some pretty big moves after that. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it just goes to show you what, you know, one series can just really shape the future of the team uh, one way or the other, for sure. It's true because, you know, the Flyers having made it to the cup final, you know, obviously the goaltending was a big change in 2011. But, you know, from a skater perspective, they had to trade Simone Gagne to clear up some cap space, which the Mm -hmm. Flyers, you know, as part of that era always had cap problems. But um, their acquisitions were Andre Mazzaros and Sean O'Donnell, not exactly like your yeah. <laughs> key contributors. And, you know, maybe right. if they had lost, they would have picked up, you know, some more significant pieces. Right. Yeah. And Gagne was huge in that, in that series, I believe too, right? He scored, I think he scored mm-hmm. that game four winner. He scored the winner in game seven. Yeah. And he really seemed like, uh, he was an important piece to that team for sure. Uh, 
it was kind of surreal a few years later seeing him playing for the Bruins kind of before he retired. But that was a, a bit of an interesting turn of events as well. Yeah, well, I guess we will never know. But this was a fun academic exercise, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The last game before the break was was Boston and Philadelphia. I, I'd be uh, uh, remiss if I didn't mention that. <laughs> Should have victory, but I was very, I was very impressed with that win because of how Philadelphia had been playing up to that point, and I really think they had a very good chance of of surprising people. I don't, I don't even know if it would be surprising people based on how well they had been playing. Um, so, yeah, hopefully. I don't know how you guys feel about hockey eventually coming back, whether you think it's it's worth them trying to risk it or if it's just worth uh, putting a pin on this season and moving on. But I think both Boston and Philadelphia had, had pretty good chances of, you know, who knows, maybe meeting in, in the conference finals this year coming out of their respective divisions. Well, that was a fun conversation and certainly interesting to think about what might have happened in Bruins history if they had beaten the Flyers. Now, speaking of the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Pierre Lebrun over the weekend reported there are sources claiming the NHL and the PA have made progress toward a 24-team playoff format if the league resumes action this summer. He cautions more work needs to be done, and it's difficult to determine if a decision will be reached this week. Uh, Discussions are expected to continue in the coming days. LeBron also reports the NHL Board of Governors will have a conference call 3 p.m. today, which is Monday, uh, May 18th. They've been having these regular discussions, so it's not uh, an emergency uh, meeting by any stretch. But um, now the potential format wouldn't jump straight to playoff action. Uh, There would be some games leading up to the postseason. It's believed that, you know, teams 17 through 24, there'd be some sort of play-in for them to qualify as one of the 16 participants. I guess it wouldn't be 17. I don't really know how that would work. But some teams would have to play to get into the top 16 in order to advance to the postseason um, which, you know, might give them an unfair advantage seeing as they're getting some game action in before the top teams like our Boston Bruins. I don't know how that would work. There must be some sort of exhibition or games, tune-up games, um, to get those teams up to speed as well. We all know there's going to be some sort of training camp at the very least if this does come to fruition. Now, the belief is the league is you know, on pace to lose over a billion dollars in lost revenue because of the COVID-19 pause. And if you bump it down to 24 teams, that would include big markets like Montreal and Chicago, which would go towards recouping those losses. So that's kind of the rationale, I think, about, uh, you know, extending it to 24 teams. Now, Washington Capitals defenseman Radko Gudis is among the players against this idea. He has stated that he believes the NHL should simply cancel the season. Uh, he's not on the return to play committee, but his concerns, as we already know, have been shared by some other players. He'll get an opportunity to express his views uh, to his NHL PA player rep, and there'll be a vote cast uh, 
on behalf of all teams, whether or not they want to resume the season. Um, however, you know, Capitals owner Ted Leonsis said he believes the league will return to action. So it appears there's some disconnect between the players and ownership, which of course would not be the first time in NHL history that that was the case. Now, Pierre Lebrun also believes the 2020 NHL draft will be a topic at the board of governors meeting on May 18th. He feels there's been too much opposition to staging the draft before resuming the season, but it doesn't require official approval from the governors and the final decision rests with Gary Bettman. So if he wants to go ahead with it, then that's, you know, a decision that he can make pretty much unilaterally. So there's still lots of uncertainty as social distancing regulations begin to ease off. There's still a lot of questions about organized sports, professional sports, whether or not it's safe, whether or not it's worth the risk, uh, you know, all the testing that needs to be in place for it to run smoothly, where they might be able to play. Apparently Vegas is an option. Edmonton is an option as hub cities. Um, we all know it's going to be in front of no fans. And uh, yeah, just a lot of pucks up in the air, uh, if you will, and a lot of uncertainty. So uh, yeah, stay tuned and we'll see what happens. Hopefully our Bruins are able to get back on the ice in some way. Uh, this team is very special and uh, really had the look of a champion. And uh, I would really like to see that come to fruition, but obviously not at the expense of uh, player safety, staff, coaches, safety, and, you know, public safety as well. So, yeah, a lot, uh, lot still up in the air. I hope you are all keeping well through this time of quarantine and social distancing and, and that you continue to take precautions even as it begins to ease. Uh, it's a it's a holiday up here in Canada, so enjoying that, although it is a rainy day. Uh, if you are looking for something to watch on Netflix, I began watching Dark, which is a German show. Uh, uh, the third time that I'll be watching season one, and then the second time I'll be watching season two. It is Without question, one of the best shows on Netflix, one of the best shows out there, period. And I really recommend it uh, if you're into kind of, uh, yeah, weird time travel, relationship-based storytelling. Uh, it's really, really interesting and really, really well done. So check that out. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's pretty much it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support as always, and I will catch you again in a couple days when we will talk about another what if, spoiler alert, 2015 first round NHL draft. Now do go and check out the Locked On NHL podcast for some more great hockey content. And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves, friends. Talk to you later.